Morning, everyone. Another wonderful day to be able to uh, to worship God. Amen. All right. Um, I'm going to put this up here and just let you think about this here for a second. Something I saw this week that I enjoyed a little bit. Uh, there was a Mark made an announcement here, and I'll give just a little bit of background for it. Um, he made the announcement that um, we're going to be singing to. Uh, you got get a kick out of that, Mark. You got. There's a see. I don't know. I don't get this because all math problems were like that for me. You know, that's not anything different for me. That's just kind of how how I rolled with math. But anyway, there's a Mark mentioned that uh, we're going to be singing the birthday song to the kids here in the in the next while, and, and won't be singing to adults. Part of the reason when we did the survey here a while back, and there's been a lot of feedback, there was a number of adults that came out and said, "Hey." please don't sing to me. I hate people looking at me, you know, sort of thing. And so when we did the survey, there was about two to one said, don't sing to adults. And so we're going to give it a shot. We're going to sing to kids and we're going to do a change up for a while. So for some of you, if you if you miss that, um, maybe you can ask for an exception. And if you're one of the two thirds that said, please don't sing to me and embarrass me, then this is a happy day for you and, and good for you guys. So there it is. Oh. Uh, and we'll, uh, it's just it's one of those things that's a great tradition, and we adapt it as we go on to, uh, to meet the needs of the community and, and be an encouragement for everybody. Okay, go ahead and turn to Proverbs. That's where we're going to be. Now, you probably were given, when you came in, an outline of the sermon notes this morning. And so I wanted to give that outline because Proverbs is... Uh, there's going to be a lot of scriptures up here, and we may, I may move faster than you be able to write them down. And this, again, something I encourage everybody, if you don't have one, is to get a church book. It's just a notebook that you take notes from the lessons or things that touch your heart and from the Scripture. And what those do is, is they're ways that just continue to, uh, when you look back at your notes, you remember the things that you learned or you heard, and it can continue to touch your heart. So if you don't have one of those, I'd encourage you. But I, I gave you the sermon notes this morning because Proverbs is quite different to preach out of. I've never preached through some of the Proverbs before. And what I've found asking around and looking for resources is that this tends to be one of these books that in the preaching assembly like this, it's avoided for various reasons. One of the reasons is it, it puts a lot of... We tend to talk a lot about... Let me back up. We tend to take, talk a lot about the, the goodness of God and, and the power of God and what He does for us. But the Proverbs leave it... All the responsibility on us is what am I supposed to do in order to to do uh, to look like God? And so the Proverbs are just these little nuggets of statements from the Old Testament that teach us what it means to live a good life for God. Now, they are not great. They don't have footnotes. They don't have lots and lots of, of, of uh, explanation. Uh, because and, and maybe if you've struggled with the Proverbs, let me ask you this. How many of you have read through the Proverbs and struggled with them somehow? Okay, yeah, probably. My guess is the reason why is that they give this two-sentence answer for how we're supposed to be in life, and maybe part of you is like, wait, wait a minute, but 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 I, I there's exceptions to that. I take issue with this and I wrestle with that. Okay, in this case, it's all right to wrestle with that because what the Proverbs are designed to be is not little stones of law that say, do this, do this, do this. But if we can say gold nuggets of grace that God gives us to say, all right, here, as a father talking to his, his children saying, look, I've learned from experience and this is something very important that I've learned. And so take this to heart. Okay? 
One of the Proverbs speaks about if a person is a great carpenter, then they will be friend of kings. Okay, now, is there anybody here that would consider themselves a good carpenter? Oh, come on. Okay, Fred Kirkland, humility, okay, aside, all right, good, yeah, there we go. Okay, there's, there's some good carpenters here in the church. Fred, do you know a monarch? Are you a good friend of a monarch? Not including Connie, okay? No. A butterfly, monarch butterfly, okay, that's right. So you see, there's, they're not absolutes, oftentimes. There's some that are. But Proverbs are some of those things that just give us a gold nugget of insight into life. And if you do things this way, then by and large, things can go really well for you. And they can, they can, uh, they can be good, and there's good fruit that comes out of your life. There is a lot of ways that the, the words of God are revealed to us through Scripture. You see that God works through his Holy Spirit to, with Paul to make his words something that became Scripture that we can look at now and we can read and it changes our lives and it touches our heart, you know, all of that. Or there's, there's times where people had a dream that an angel came and spoke to them and that was a revelation from God. And the revelation from God in the Proverbs is experience. Because I have lived long and I have experienced these things, these are things that I want to share with others. And because of that, God has taken these Proverbs through time, put them together and said, these are ways that I want people to be able to, their hearts to be touched, to be able to, to look like me. And so we're going to talk about today, the Proverbs talk a lot about words. Now, this lady behind me is Robin. Everybody say, hi, Robin. There, there she is, okay. And so I have needed to, now that we are broadcasting, uh, I have to be more deliberate about making sure that images that we use are images that are not copyrighted by someone else, okay? And so trying to be more deliberate about that because there's people all over the world that are watching. And so I found Robin this week, and Robin gives some expressions that are free to be able to use. So we'll use those to help us walk through as we talk about words today. Now, words are powerful. The thoughts that come out of our mouths can be powerful, and they can be a great power for good or for evil. And how we use words has changed a lot over time. I know that that some of us that um, you know, Dan is there in the back. Dan, when you were a young guy in high school, did you have a cell phone? What was a phone? He didn't even have a phone, right? That's right. That's right. Living up Modlow, there was no phones up there, anything like that, right? So did you ever participate in texting somebody else on your phone? Still don't. Still don't. Okay, that's right. Did you ever do uh, Instagram or, or uh, Facebook or Snapface? That's not one of them, but anyway. That's right. Yeah, Snapchat. There's all of those different things that we use for communication right now. But not one of those modes and not one of those pieces of technology has rendered any one of the Proverbs obsolete. The words, whether they're, they come out of our mouth or whether they're written, the Proverbs have a lot to say. What comes out of our mouth is powerful. So let's look through some of these. And again, there's some overlap, and I've tried to divide them up some here. And let me give you just a heads up. I found this, uh, I got a hold of this resource this last week. It's called The Preacher's Commentary Dealing with Proverbs. Dealing with Proverbs in a way that is practical, that people can understand them. And so if there's a a 
a project or a, a resource that you'd like to get a hold of. This is one that so far I'd recommend. There's some great stuff that gave me some insights for hopefully what I'll share today and maybe touch all of our hearts. Here is a great principle that the Proverbs talks about. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. Okay? Very, very powerful here. And I'll read a few of these. Sin has not ended my multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Have you ever find, found yourself in a situation where you thought, if I can just say one more thing, if I can just explain a little more, then everything is going to go right? Now, did that always go right for you? Uh, not usually. Not usually. Where sin, where words are many, sin is not absent. Uh, that's one of the Proverbs as well. And so sometimes the best thing that we can do is to just close our mouths. In fact, the wise or the prudent do that and learn how to close their mouths at the appropriate time. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. And the idea is even-tempered is if you look at a calm lake, think about that. A time where you've been standing beside a lake and you just note that, wow, this is calm, this is beautiful. That's the idea is, is a person that has knowledge is, is even-tempered, doesn't speak every time something comes in the mind, but uses restraint. Uh, a person, we, we say in, in English, a person doesn't have a filter that whatever is in their head comes straight out, and that can be dangerous. Some of us are, are, uh, are just have that bend in life naturally, um, but there is a... The Italians have a different way of saying it, and I've shared this before, I think. A person doesn't have hair on their tongue is the literal translation. In other words, whatever is here just goes falling out with no hair to slow things down. That's the idea. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. I, when I read these few Proverbs this week, and I spent some time thinking about them, I thought, boy, it would be great if I would have known this here in my heart when I was in middle school. Now, because that's where it all comes out, right? Is that we're old enough to be able to speak, and we're old enough to, to, to speak eloquently enough that we can be understood, but we don't have the experience of prudence to know when we should speak and when we should not. And there's a, I know a few elementary school or middle school teachers and administrators, and I ask them for stories. What's a great middle school story? And every day they've got something to, to, to share. And almost always it has something to do with a young man or young woman saying something that they should not have said and it did not end well. Now, unfortunately, as we get older, that still happens and it still continues. But the thing to remember is as we mature, we develop that filter. At least that's what's supposed to happen. Hey, think about this. Here's another thought. Think before you speak. The Proverbs talk about this over and over again. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. You notice there's some, a word that comes up twice in there? Gushes, just pours forth. Okay, let's, look, let's think about that for a second. There is, um, I know when I was in college, I had my summer job, which was being a park ranger at Libby Dam. And you would look at the, the, the lake above Libby Dam, Lake Kukanusa, that it's a 90-mile long lake that goes way up into Canada. And unless the wind was, 
was kicking up, it was just smooth and it was beautiful and it was amazing. And you could boats can go out there. But when you get downstream of the dam, there is a, Kootenai River is a dangerous river. China Rapids, the Kootenai Falls, Jennings Rapids, all of that, every one of those pieces of water have claimed lives. And can, they can be really dangerous because all of that water just comes gushing out of that dam and, and through the river below. And that's the contrast that is being made here, is a person who is, is wise and knows how to have a filter and how to choose their words in a wise way. And there's that calm presence. But a person who doesn't, it's just like this raging river that, that gushes out below them. Think before you speak. Think about this. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. So in other words, there's another phrase, and, and Abraham Lincoln quoted this. I don't think it's original to him. It was quoted by, by many in history. It's better to keep silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Think about that. That's the, the idea here, is that even a person who is foolish, even a person who doesn't have a lot of wisdom, if in doubt, keep silent, and sometimes things go a whole lot better for you than they would have otherwise. Furthermore, the prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Just because I know something, just because you know something, doesn't mean it's the right time to say it. That's the message here. Is sometimes it's better to not speak. It's sometimes it's better to just keep knowledge inside because what comes out speaks to our heart. And if our heart isn't in the place, then there's going to be destruction that comes out of it. Let me read something that came out of this uh, that I thought was, was helpful for me. And I'll read it because I think you, it's, it's more powerful that way than me just trying to, to, to repeat it from memory. This guy who wrote this commentary, he was a dean at a, at a Bible college, and this is what he said as far as hiring people, some of the things that he would do. He said, in sizing up people as potential participants in the life of the university, whether as administrators or trustees, I carefully observed their patterns of speech. Obviously, what they said needed to make sense, because if we speak and speak and speak and don't make sense, it means that we're not... We're not prudent in our thoughts, right? But I watched for more than just that. Did they wait their turn? Did they step on the, in the lines of others? Did they have a need for the last word? Did they try to top everyone else's stories? Did they sound off in their own areas of incompetence? Could they say, I don't know? Did they repeat themselves badly or wander aimlessly through their subject matter? Persons with these and other verbal liabilities do not usually make it to my team. They are not sensitive enough, not succinct enough, not modest enough, and not gracious enough to work well with others. They waste time, hurt feelings, and shatter morale. They, with the rest of us, need to sit longer at the teacher's feet and learn that restraint in communication is essential to prudent speech. So think before you speak, because what's really in here tends to come out. And something you'll notice, and you'll see it in this, this proverb here, is that there is a very, very strong connection from our heart, who we are, and what comes straight out of our mouth. Hey, think about this. If you do run your mouth, and here's some, section, some proverbs that talk about some of the destruction that comes from it when we rub our mouth. You remember last week we talked about Mr. T, and what is Mr. T's phrase? 
Don't be a fool. That's right. Okay, here it is again. If you run your mouth, don't be a fool because this is what happens. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. From the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be silenced. One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. Who's wise? One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. There is. Uh, we've been fortunate this year to have some fruit that is coming on our fruit trees that we planted when we first moved here uh, a little over four years ago. And it's been neat to see we have pears that are coming. We have uh, apples didn't show up this year, but we've got a bunch of of plums. We uh, our, our cherry tree produced a ton, and we got several cherry cobblers out of it. And as I was pulling those cherries off and looking at them, as as thinking, um, ate, ate probably a third of them before they ever got to the pie. They were great. They're wonderful. But there is. Uh, it's really neat to see that true tree producing fruit, a fruit that we can eat, that uh, that tastes great, that uh, blesses other people. But I remember uh, one of these Facebook or Instagram comments here a, a few months ago, uh, or just a little over a month and a half ago, I guess, started coming out on the 4th of July. I don't know if, how many of you saw it, but it said something like this, is this is the last day that some people will have five fingers on both hands leading up to the 4th of July. Because what happens is, light the firework, boom, it, you know, there's injuries that come because of it. And I was thinking the difference between what we use our mouths for makes a huge difference, in that there is, hopefully what we're doing is we're producing fruit like our cherry tree and not taking a cherry bomb and putting it right in our mouth. Because that's the type of destruction that can happen when we don't guard our words. If we do run our mouth, this is some other things that can happen here. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. Here's another one. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A scoundrel plots evil, and on their lips it is like a scorching fire. Hey, one of the analogies that is used in this book that it made me think is, so there's an old story, and I don't know if it's true or if it's just a story that, that helps us understand the point here, is there was a mother that decided she needed to save money on formula. And so if you, if you didn't see uh, uh, Cody and Holly's new little one, Arlo, Arlo, right? Yeah, he's here this morning, two weeks old, congratulations. And so just imagine if a mom who has a, a newborn says, okay, I need to, to buy some formula, but instead of buying baby formula, sees that the dairy creamer for coffee is right in the, the next, next uh, shelf there. And decides to get the dairy creamer instead and takes the dairy creamer home and, and, uh, and makes formula out of dairy creamer. If you look at the back of the dairy creamer, there's not a lot of nutrients there, are there? No. And so the baby is going to lose weight and starve and is not being taken care of. And the same is, is true here. That's the point, is that reckless words end, to end up starving people. They end up hurting others, and we'll talk more about that here in a bit. But not only that, is they don't nourish us, but they can flat up destroy. That's what the sword and this scorching fire is all about, is that our words can come out and really damage uh, the people around us. And this is how. Okay? 
A perverse person stores up, stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Is if we don't, are not spirit led in our conversations, what happens is creates contention among us. And you notice what's called, you notice what the person is called here who creates division is perverse. That's what scripture talks about there. Furthermore, a wicked person is the next description. Listens to deceitful lips and a liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Now, for many of us in our world, it's a whole lot more exciting to listen to whatever the latest gossip is than to listen to truth because it's just more exciting. You know, it's, it, it just gets into us. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. There's a quote that I, I read this week that it, it made me think. It says, people who gush fear prophecies out of their mouth could fill a stadium But people who are truth-tellers can only fill a woodshed. Think about that. And I think about that in our social media world, is fear prophecies, boy, those get passed and passed and passed and passed. And sometimes it's the quiet, gentle word that says, hey, wait a minute, let's calm down here. This isn't so bad. That's the one that is forgotten in the in the big storm of of comments. Something to think about. I think the Proverbs attest to that, is that uh, um, our tendency as people is to listen to whatever is sensational instead of what's going to calm everybody down. Oh, hang on there, Robin. Calm down a little bit here. Okay. Think about this. This is the the, the Proverbs that tell us how we should use our mouths and how we should speak. Here it is. First of all, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now there is a, I can, I was thinking about people that I uh, know in life that have demonstrated this to me, that are a great example for me. And there's some that just have this quiet, gentle spirit that when someone comes at them and they're angry, and I've seen these moments, is they just respond with calming things down and they know how to break the cycle of violent anger that continues on. Here's another one. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not upright. Think about that. Who do do you and I want to be? Do we want to be the fool that just spreads stuff uh, that's sensational, or do we want to be the one that spreads knowledge that lifts other people higher? The wise in heart are called discerning and gracious words promote instruction. There is a, something I, I learned a, a while back. There's a guy named Robert Clinton that has done a lot of research on mentoring. And one of the points that jumped out to me as he was talking about there's a lot of people in Scripture that don't finish well. And they, they live a life of faith, but they get later in life and they just don't finish well because of some spiritual shortcoming that happens in their lives. And in all of his research, and he spent time uh, interviewing a lot of church leaders and a lot of people who were near the end of life and were finishing very well. And one of the common denominators in all of them, there were several, like getting into God's Word on a regular basis, having a prayer life that, that is important to him. One of the things that came up over and over again was that these people that finished well had somewhere between 20 and 30 mentors that they could go through and point to in their life. It wasn't two, it wasn't five, but it was 20 or 30. 
And the idea was is that if we only have a few people that we look to as this is an example of what a Christian person is supposed to look like, we tend to be too critical because we see their shortcomings and their flaws and we tend to, to discredit their, their example in our lives. But what happens is none of us can be the perfect example for everybody. We're just not cut out for that, not only because of our shortcomings and our sinful nature, but because all of us are created differently. If someone is going to mentor with me, Fred, on how to become a carpenter, they're not going to get very far. They're going to learn a few things, and they're going to have to unlearn it with somebody who actually knows what they're doing because all of us are created differently. And so the people that had 20 or 30 mentors in life that didn't say, I want to be like that person, but said, I can learn something from that person that is going ahead of me because they have some great things to learn. It opened the world up, and all of this wise counsel that was there through imperfect people was shared, and lives were touched, and people finished well. Something to think about is no matter who you are, no matter where you're at at different times, we need those mentors to, to walk us through life. How many of you know who Howard Norton is? Anybody? He was the chair of the Bible Department at Oklahoma Christian and then at Harding later. Fascinating guy. And I remember listening to him once speak. We invited him to Great Falls and he came and he shared some things on families. And I remember one of the things that he talked about is he said, all of us, no matter what phase in life we're in, we need someone to help mentor us that has walked ahead of us. And he was approaching 80 at the time, and he, he thought, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do when I'm 80. I have no idea what life is supposed to look like. And so he thought about it, and there was a, a gentleman in the church that he participated, not someone who was a Bible professor or who was a minister, but someone who lived out their life, a great spiritual life at 80 years old. And he approached him and said, hey, can we go to lunch? I need to talk. He went to lunch and he said, what on earth am I supposed to do when I'm 80? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've never been 80 before, but I'm about to turn 80 and I want to know what that looks like. And this gentleman said, I don't know what to tell you, but I know this. For myself, I need a job. I don't have to work. I've saved for retirement and I'm fine. I don't have to work. I don't have to do any of that. But I need a purpose and a plan in life all the time. I'm not one that can sit at home. And if I lost my job, what I would do is I would go on a two-week vacation and then I would go on another job and go find another job because I just need that. I just love it. And it's a way for me to bless the people around me. And uh, Howard said, man, I learned something from that. And I decided that... Uh, I needed something, some challenge in my life. And he and his wife talked about it, and he ended up moving down to Central America uh, to help out with a, a Bible school that was struggling. And at 80, he moved down there to say, what can I do to be a blessing and to help here? Hey, that's just an example. But what I appreciate about him, his example to me that I remembered is if anybody doesn't need a mentor, anybody doesn't need someone to show him the way, boy, it would have been that guy, I think. But he showed, no, 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 that's not how it works. All of us need people that are speaking words of wisdom to us in any given time in life, no matter what our situation is. We're never too smart for all of this. Here's another one. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? Anxiety weighs the heart down, but a kind word cheers it up. Anxiety, depression, same words here. The idea is someone can come along and say something kind to us and it cheers us up and it changes us. 
Here's another one. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. How many of you have ever eaten just straight honeycomb off a spoon? I love it. I love it. I think it tastes great. And honeycomb is one of those things that's like uh, in the time that these Proverbs were written, honey was used a lot for a healing, like a medicine, something that you use in order to, to feel better. And I think science in our world and experience has borne that out, is that I understand that as a person, if they eat honey from their local area, that tends to help with, um, with allergies to not be so severe, all sorts of stuff. I don't know how all that works. But I just know that when I take some honeycomb in a spoon and I eat it, I think, oh, yeah, this is good. And I can think of many times in my life that the right person came along at the right time and said things that created spiritual medicine or pick-me-up. In fact, I have in my office, there's a box, and I, Scott Laird in Great Falls did this, and so I've made it a habit myself as well. And it's this box that is full of cards or notes or comments that I've written down that people said to me at some point in time that lifted my spirit. And it's called a joy box. And whenever uh, things just don't seem to be going very well, um, I can look down and I can see that box and I can remember, wait a minute, I did something right at some point in time. You know, It's gone well before and it's going to go well again. It's going to be all right. Because those words are medicine for me. And uh, words can be medicine for, uh, for you as well. Let's look at this, these next ones here. Um, speak like this. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but the gracious words are pure in his sight. The lips of the righteous know what finds favor, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. Okay, These terms here that are used are oftentimes terms that are used in the Old Testament as worship terms. Terms that uh, people, if they would bring a sacrifice that is honorable to God or is gracious and pure to God. And the proverb writer is telling us right here, what comes out of your mouth is worship too. It's not just what you do when you take the altar into the temple. It's not just what we do when we assemble here. But it's everything that comes out of our mouth is in some way a worship to God. And he wants them to be pure and honorable. Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the hearts of the wicked has little value. Okay. It is summertime in Montana, and even summertime in Montana isn't that hot. Unless you're in eastern Montana, right? Danny cut his, his trip short to eastern Montana this week because the air conditioner went out in his camper, and it's hot in eastern Montana this time of the year. But I've been in some places. I remember being down in Mexico a few years ago when my wife and I took our, our 15th anniversary down there. And it was in January, and we were in off away from the coast, and it was just sweltering heat. I just felt, oh, man, hot, hot, hot. And I remember thinking how excited and glad I was to have my water bottle right there. And I found a place for cold water to come out of a spring, and I remember drinking that and thinking, oh, this is great. This is awesome. Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. That's a great way to use social media. It's a great way to use our words. Saying something that brings refreshment to somebody who is far away. Great things to think about here. That's wise, that's prudent, that's godly. 
The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. You see the contrast here? Silver is valuable and worthwhile, but the heart of someone who has a wicked heart is of very little value at all. We use the term oftentimes in our society, someone who is silver-tongued. Now, is that a, a comment, a compliment, or is that negative usually? It's, if it's followed by silver-tongued devil, then it's definitely negative, right? It's someone who has just the right words that can convince people to do things that they shouldn't do or to buy things that they shouldn't buy, that sort of thing. But according to the Proverbs, someone who is silver-tongued is very different than that. Someone who is silver-tongued is someone who speaks with integrity, tact, kindness, encouragement, and is able to speak the truth in love. Because what's going on inside of them, their heart is good, and their heart is filled with God's Spirit, and by doing so, what comes out of their mouth is positive, uplifting, and encouraging. Now, just like the rest of the Proverbs, I... I imagine some of you are sitting there and thinking, wait a minute here, there's times where tough discussions might have to be had, right? And I believe if you would have asked the Pharisees after Jesus talked with them, after he ran them out of the temple, or the, the religious leaders that were there, or many of the interactions of the Pharisees, they walked away being upset with what Jesus had to say. But I think that had more to do with them than it did the words of Jesus, didn't it? It had more to do with their hearts saying, I don't care what he has to say. I just am upset with him. You know, I'm not okay with that. I'm not going to go there. Because there's times where we have to speak the truth and love and, and they're tough discussions, right? And the Proverbs do speak to that. We didn't deal with that today. But I believe the thing for all of us to walk away with that's important is take care of your heart. Make sure your heart is not full of envy and bitterness and that sort of thing. And be honest about that. Because if it is, what's going to happen is that is going to come flying right out of our mouth. And when it does, there's destruction that happens. I believe the, uh, uh, the toughest thing and the toughest place for me to apply this is oftentimes within my own family. I appreciated years ago when I lived in Italy... Tony Blair was the prime minister of, of uh, Great Britain at that time. And Tony Blair's son was arrested downtown London, uh, coming out of a club drunk and being disorderly. And Tony Blair's comment to the media was, being a prime minister is hard, being a father is harder. That's all he said. He didn't say anything more. And I appreciated his comment there. Because within our family, uh, we tend to... Uh, uh, sometimes the the worst of us comes out, and uh, and we tend to, uh, to to show that. And I know if you ask my kids, or if you ask my my wife, if my lips and everything that comes out of my mouth is always full of of grace and and all of this that we've been talking about this morning, they would say not always. That's not always the case. And I think if uh, I asked your families, that would probably be the same response. And so for all of us, it all starts with. Not biting our tongue down and saying, oh, man, I can't say this stuff. That's good. That's important. But deciding I'm going to be one that works on my heart, that I want to have a heart that is such that what pours out of my mouth is like honeycomb to other people or like, uh, or like silver, something that is valuable and something that is good. And we're going to spend uh, the rest of our lives learning more and more of what that looks like. But hopefully from the Proverbs today... It's a good reminder for all of us 
is that speaking the words of Christ, speaking the words of God, and how we speak to each other makes all the difference in the world for our own well-being and especially for the well-being of others. If you'd like to become a Christian today, the elders in the back, you're welcome to head back there. If you need prayers, you're welcome to head back there as well. We'll go into the Lord's Supper, and then we'll sing our way out today. Have a blessed week. Great lesson, Chris. Thanks. God's Word is powerful, as Chris would humbly say. Does everyone have a communion cup? That